Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. If you guys want to turn with me as you take a seat, we're going to also have it up on the scripture or on, on the screen. First uh, Timothy, First Timothy, chapter four. First Timothy, chapter four. You guys doing good? Good morning. I'm so excited for today. Uh, this is the scripture. This is the word of God. It's not from me or from anyone else. It's from the word of God. This is what God would ha- would say to us today, to our community specifically. It says this, if you point these things out, which we'll talk about in a moment, if you point these things out to the brothers and the sisters, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished on the truths of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, rather, train yourself to be godly. If you're taking notes, underline godly, circle godly, write down in your notebook godly. For physical training, I love this, physical training is of some value. It's, it's of some value. It's important. But godliness has value for all things. I mean, people like me, I, I love like physical training. I think it's important. But you got to remember like McDonald's and Taco Bell and all those places weren't established at this time. <laughs> so I don't know what he would say differently But nevertheless, the scripture permeates throughout all time. He's still saying physical fitness or physical training, it is important. It's of some value, but godliness has value for all things. He's speaking to a culture and to a people like Athens that like really cared about the body, about the physical mortal, about like this right here. And so he's pushing back. He's saying, that's good, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life here right now and for the life to come, wherever that, that is for you. I don't know. I mean, scripture makes it clear. I believe in a heaven and a hell. What is the other side for you? That's between you and God. This is trustworthy. It's important. That deserves full acceptance. This is why we labor and this is why we strive. And Peter uses the same language. He says, this is why we put effort into this. Because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially for those who believe. And then this is like, this is for me and this is for you. This is for our community. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Don't do that. But set an example for the believers in speech Conduct, love, faith, and purity. We're going to focus on that today. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. In other words, I mean, you can kind of understand, to to the church, to church. Public reading and teaching and preaching of the Scriptures. He says, Paul says to his young Padawan, like in Star Wars language, right? Like his young mentoree, he's saying, Timothy, devote yourself to the public teaching and preaching of the word, to the church, to coming together, that's important. Do not neglect your gift, which was given through you by prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Really important. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So this is really, really, really deep. 
it's complex, and uh, yet, if, if you were here last week or the week before, the week before that, maybe two weeks ago and then last week, um, we've been going through First Peter, and specifically we're talking about like the tree of faith and the different qualities and attributes that we should really desire to possess, really desire to have as a part of our nature in relation to our walk with Jesus because really the, the whole premise of what Peter said last week and what Paul is saying, there's, there's a connection here. He's saying that it's important what you do with your life. It's important what you do with your body. It's important how you act and how you live with one another. And if you focus on those things, if those things are of value to you, well, then you will be effective and productive. And then Paul uses language, he says, because if you do, you will save both yourself, that's important, but also your hearers. And, you know, just going deeper already, so if you see how it says uh, in verse 6, I don't know if we can put it up or you just have your Bibles. Verse 6, it says, if you point these things out to your brothers and sisters, that language is really important. Here's why. It does not mean, this is Paul, the apostle, right, who wrote a good amount of the New Testament that we read today in the epistles and the letters. Paul was the one who was, 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 uh, was blinded by Jesus and w- was woke to the reality, woke, right, to the reality that it's Jesus who was, he, he was persecuting. He was persecuting these Christians that claimed Jesus because Jesus rose again, he was there. And so Paul is kind of like a part of the religious group, the Sanhedrin, the, the elders the, of, of the Jewish customs. And he knew the, the scriptures, the Old Testament, really well. And so it got to a point where he started literally stoning those who claimed Jesus as Lord and Savior, as their master. And so Paul goes this, through this radical transformation that I would argue and, and, and really encourage that we all should go through. We all should have a transformation in our own soul and how we view God. And so Paul does that and he goes and he goes and he starts to, to plant churches in different regions of modern day Turkey all over. And he even makes his way to Rome and he even makes his way to all these different places in Athens and, and it's just crazy what he's doing. But as he goes there is a certain culture there. Like, if he came to California, it would be a lot different, if we're being honest, than the culture of Missouri or Tennessee, (laughs) right? Or the culture of Texas compared to, to California. And so Paul is going, and he's understanding that there is a certain culture there. And we spoke about it last week, and it's really the same this week in the culture, the historical culture of what's happening, is that there is this this teaching of Gnosticism, here it is again, and it's that my body isn't of value as much as my spiritual being, and so they wanted to get rid of the material and, and, and connect more with the spiritual or the divine, and that's really important to know because he uses language all throughout First Timothy, and really that was like the common issue, one of the common issues of the false teachings, and really, if we're being honest, it's here today too. I talked about it last week. There are so many different teachings other than the teaching of the scripture. The problem is when it tries to mesh in with Christianity. That's where it gets scary. And so we don't have time to go through all the different things that are in our culture. But, I mean, I think we can really conceptualize and think through everything that's coming against the gospel of Jesus. And that has a different teaching, but you can kind of mesh it in with Jesus. That's 
that's not helpful at all. And that's not what the apostles, that's not what Jesus was saying. There's, there's one God and there's, there's one savior and then there's one understanding of who he is and how he created the world. And that's at least how I believe it. That's for you to decide. And the reason I say this is because Paul is writing to Timothy and he uses this language. He says, it, it, that language, if you point these things out, does not mean, now hear me clear, it does not mean to issue orders, but rather to advise or to suggest. It is a gentle, humble, and modest word if you point these things out. It means that teachers, teachers must never dogmatically and belligerently lay down the law. Have you had people like that in your life? Oh, it's, 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 it's really frustrating to me because it's your relationship with God and my relationship with God, but I am not perfect. So Lord, help me if I try to lay down the law to you when I myself, am, I mean, we talked about this, like the log in your eye, right? Don't judge one another, the, the language of Jesus. But I love that this is, I found this as I, as I did my biblical due diligence and Paul's using language to Timothy, who is young, by the way, and young meaning in that culture, it was like 30 to 40 years old. <laughs> that was considered young. Until you reach over 40, you were not young anymore. And in, in fact, the elders of the church would try to find those that had lived life long enough because there was some value to their maturity, or I would say the gray hairs, Right? That's why I don't come up here claiming to know anything about everything. Lord, help me if I do. Please call me out on it. But nevertheless, the scriptures are very clear, and I'm merely simply telling you what the scriptures are saying to us. Paul uses that language, though, to Timothy. He's saying, don't. Guidance given in gentleness will always be more effective than bullying instructions laid down with force. It's not helpful. So Paul is talking to Timothy, and Timothy, this is about, he's, he's known Paul for about 15 years around, around that time, and Paul found this young guy who was passionate about Jesus and wanted to make a difference in the world and really felt called to and devoted to the teachings and, and ministry and leadership. And so Paul kind of brings Timothy along, and, and he mentors him as like a rabbi would to a disciple, and he's walking life with him, and then he says, hey, this is Ephesus, and I'm putting you over this church as the leader, as the leader. Because you are young, you can easily succumb to these things. Hence, your youth will stand out, Timothy. And we don't really know exactly. I don't know. I'm sure we could find out. But let's just say he was 30 to 35 years old. I talked to people. I just had someone this week in our coin crew. I loved it. It was awesome. It was a compliment. I was like, I know I'm a little bit older. I'm not that much older than you. And Thomas made it a point. He's like, no, you're a lot older than us. I'm like, well, that's a compliment. Thank you, because that, that's good. But nevertheless, yet you could be 40 looking at me saying, you're just a young gun. And I understand that, and I'm not naive to that. So this is for me is just as much if we look at our, our church collectively as to our church because the majority of our church are below 40 years old. Nevertheless, I still think it's just as important to those 40 and up that this is talked about. But, never, but it's, it's so important that we catch this. So there's a couple things that I want to talk to, and it's just, it's, just, it's just a handful. It's that one about... Um, in verse 11, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. So this is what I'm going to talk about. Speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. 
okay? And, and this, is, this is a little bit more teachy than it is preachy, okay? There's a difference, okay? We need to get this as a community. We need to get this in our culture. I understand that there is a... Um, the faith component where I'm excited about my walk with God and I, I, I had an experience with God and those are important and I've had those things. But what happens when you accept Jesus and then life continues to move on? How do you conduct yourself? How do you live? And so the title and what we're talking about is to set an example. Set in an, an example. And we know that. I was talking to Kelly about this morning because I was trying to think like, what can I say that really reminds people of what set an example is? And like when you look at construction workers or when you look at building a house, like there's an example there laid out of what it could look like. And then you look at leadership even more in depth, like what does it mean to set an example to people around you? As a father or a mother or as a brother or sister, if you're a little bit older and your parents say, I need you to like set the example, what does that mean entirely? And what does that look like for us as followers of Jesus? How do we set that example? And Paul would tell us, this is how, right here. It's really important that, that we do these things. And the first is set example in speech. Now, I, I, I have like this really simple like map. And all of them are going to go to godliness. Because as I looked at the scripture, Paul's trying to make a point of godliness, just like Peter was last week. That was one of his sub-points, but godliness is really important in the life that we're living as a follower of Jesus. If you claim to know Jesus, this is what I would encourage you in. The first is speech, which really we could like literally devote the entire time talking about speech. Speech is what you say. It's the words derived from your heart and your thoughts. What words are coming out of your mouth? Ask yourself that. What words come out? Are they godly? Are they uplifting? Do they tear people down? Do they tear yourself down? Your speech is important. I'm going to list a, a, a bunch of different scripture. Ephesians 4 says this about what we say. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as, good, as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Colossians says, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, meaning like sexual, jokey perversion talk. Psalm says, his mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. Exodus says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. James says, for the same mouth... Come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. James says again, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not like hold fast to his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. That's terrifying. Ephesians says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. I bring this stuff up because I'm getting to a point in my life where this, this needs to be conceptualized in the church. Like we need to be the salt and light in the world. So if you claim or you're working through or you're wrestling in what it looks like to be a follower or disciple of Jesus, I would ask yourself, 
in line to what the scripture says? Is your speech connecting or is it resonating towards godliness? Or is it ungodly? And you know, I think this is important because when you sit down and talk to someone at the dinner table or at a coffee shop, I love doing that, by the way. It's like, I just, it, it gives me a lot of energy and I just love hearing people. But if I listen long enough, I can start to understand at least just on, on, on the, the forefront, like how you really think in here and in here by simply speaking. So I can tell, or I'm sure you can try it. Try it with your, like, your spouse. L actually try to listen to what he or she is saying. Like, ask them a really complex question and see what comes out of their mouth. Because the scripture says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if I really want to know what's in your heart, I just need to ask the right questions. And I need to listen to you long enough to realize, do you resonate with godliness? Or is it everything that's just tearing you down and or it's perversion or, and then maybe we just hang out long enough and I hang out with your buddies and you and we're just like having a good time and then I start seeing like how you talk with your coworkers or your friends or whoever that is and you're just joking around and it's like when I was in youth ministry it was so hard because it's like stop joking around that like evil like wicked and gross and and that's it's, it's like perversion. Like the, when you're with youth and you're joking around, it's like then they're joking around and then you take it a little too far and it's like that's not helpful to a youth. We are to what? Set an example in speech. The next one, which is really important, is, is conduct. This one's really, it hits me because it's behavior or manner of life. How do you carry yourself? And, and specifically, how do you carry yourself with others? What is the posture towards one another? When it's getting really difficult and there's some turmoil going on and you're frustrated with him or her, how, how are you conducting yourself even in your physical appearance? Are you angry, upset, frustrated? Are you resentful? How do you carry yourself when you walk into a room? Because all of it will lead into godliness, I would hope. And the reason I bring this up is because we have to be thinking of such things if you want to be effective and productive, if you want to save yourself and, and your hearers. That's what, that's what Paul is trying to tell Timothy. And, and, and mind you, I get this. Like, this is a leadership kind of conversation. But I would argue there's every person in this room is a leader to some degree. When you're at work, when you're with your family, when you're with your friends, when you have a sibling, you can choose to set the example or not, or you can follow along in whatever example they're trying to set. And I, I just believe conduct is really important. And the next is love. Love. And this one's good because it means properly love, which centers in moral preference, typically refers to divine love or agape love. It's what God prefer, prefers. How are you loving people? In your godliness. Like, how are you doing there? It's important. And the way God loves people, are you connecting with how God sees people? Are you loving people in the same way? No matter what other people do to us or say about us, I know this is hard, but we will seek nothing but their good. That's true love, agape love. Never bitter, this is really hard. Never resentful, never vengeful, never allowing ourselves to hate and never refuse to forgive. That is true love which will resonate and permeate godliness in your life. And here, 
You know, we, we often think, and this is true, that love just comes from the heart. But like, I mean, like when you get married, like, yes, of course it comes from the heart. But after a while, you have to make a choice to get up every day and to love your spouse. And so the theologians would write, and, and, and when you go deeper into understanding love, love comes really from the will as well. It's a choice. It comes from deep within that I will choose as I receive the love of God in my life to give that to you the same way he gives it to me. This love comes from the will. And then the next is faith. And that's, that's also important. Faith is belief. It is trust. It is confidence in God or from God. Hebrews says, I love this, without faith it is impossible to please God. Did you know that? Did you know as you go throughout your day that unless you have faith, unless you try to understand how God is and how you are in this world, and unless you make a decision, I will step out in faith or I will believe in faith, I will have trust and confidence in who God is in my faith. That, that understanding, that motive, that quality, what happens is it pleases God. And I don't know about you, but I want to please God. I want God to know that I care about him and that I care about the life that I live. And faith is so important. I mean, all of us have faith in something in this room. You do. I hope it's God. I hope God is, is at the top of that faith experience for you. But it might be other things. And that's okay. But if God is not first, there's problems with this here, right? If my goal is to live life and to be healthy and to love others and to save myself, and obviously Paul isn't saying you can only save yourself. That's not what Paul is saying to Timothy. He's saying when you set an example and you live by these qualities and you pursue such things, what it does in you is it gets you on track towards godliness, towards knowledge, towards the divine, towards Jesus and what he calls you to. And so, yeah, life will be more understandable when it gets difficult and it gets hard. And when people see you, how are, how are you acting and what are they perceiving? Because they're gonna look at you if you're the only Christian or follower of Jesus in their life. And what are they gonna think when you go to the gym and you're working out and then you're talking to your girlfriends? What are you saying? Like when you're talking, like, is it godly? You know, when, when you're at work and you're, 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 you're getting frustrated by what's happening at work, like, what words come out of your mouth? What, what speech is coming out of your mouth? Because people are watching, and that could be terrifying, but it's also the truth. So that's why baptism is so important, by the way. Baptism is, is a, it's an outward proclamation of your faith. It's you saying, I'm telling the entire world I believe in Jesus, and, and I'm giving my life to him, and so I'm publicly going to be baptized to the church and to the world, and so I'll post it on social media. I'll let people know. I'll tell people that I believe in this Jesus Christ, and he's changed my life, but then what happens is you have to now set an example of that life. I don't know about you, but when people look at our life or my life, I want them to be like, man, I kind of want that life. I kind of want to understand and to have joy and to have peace in the midst of suffering because we, we, we understand that suffering is so hard. Suffering in this life happens every single day. But how do we, how do we set 
an example to the world and to our family and to the people around us. So there's faith. The next one is purity, which we kind of hit on last week, right? Self-control. But might as well go into it again. Purity is a big deal. It's a big deal when you care about godliness. It's a big deal. It is freedom from immorality, especially of a sexual nature. It is self-control. It is desiring to live your life putting away and pushing down the passions that come up in us, which all come up, by the way. And so we have to learn to have the right relationship with God, to to understand that self-control is really important and so is purity. And and here's the thing, guys, like, like this is, I'm just saying what the Bible says, (laughs) you know, and I, I love First Timothy because if you care anything about leadership, read it. Read the entirety of it. I mean, he calls Timothy out, and the language we use is he calls him to more. He says, Timothy, I know you're young. Sammy, I know you're young. Taylor, I know you're young. There's people in this community that say, we would say, I know you're young. But that doesn't make me, like that doesn't give me an excuse to just live the way that I need to live because I'm young. But that's the problem of the teaching of the culture. What does the culture say? Man, in your 20s, live it up. Party it up. Test drive whoever, whenever. Like that's what the culture says, but that's not what the Bible says. That's what, what Paul is saying to a young Timothy. He's saying, no, this stuff is important. It's really, really important. So purity, we can, we can just keep going on, but just it's, it, purity's a big deal. Then Paul goes on, he says, until I come, worship you guys can come on up. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading and, and teaching of the scripture. Do not neglect your gift, which was given through you through prophecy when the body of elders, they laid hands on you. And, and I, I just want to pause on this because I, I believe that when, when we put all of those things together, when you go to church or when you, you, you listen to a teaching and you listen to the preaching, and, and by the way, like I, I, I've devoted a good amount of my life and I still have a lot to do to understand this. Like this is complex, by the way. You know, I had someone ask me like, hey, can, can you tell me who Jesus is? And I'm like, that's a loaded question. How do I even start? And then it's like, well, can you, can you explain to me the Bible? I'm like, man. How do you do that in one sitting? This thing the scripture says is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it, and it pierces through bone and marrow straight to the soul. And so when I read this, I've learned the more I read it, the more complex it gets. In a good way, by the way. But it's complex. Because there's the history that is different from our history. Like, I thought about this, I was sitting down with Kelly, we were in Chipotle, and I really care about self-control of foods. I really do, I'm gonna be honest. This is my conviction, but I'm just, this is my opinion, so jot it out if you don't wanna hear it. But I really care about my, my physical body because I've gotten to the point where like, I wanna live a long life in health. Like, I really care about that. And I, I'm curious if Paul lived in our culture, what he would say. I really am, like, what would he say? Like, physical it, that's important. Why? Because I've learned when, 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 when I'm running or when I exercise or, or when I'm active, 
that's actually good for my brain and it's good for my soul and then it's good for my emotions and then I just feel like a better person. But I also, in the same breath, have to focus on my spiritual life too. And then Paul says, that's more important than your physical. So he's speaking to me. I don't know if he's speaking to you. I don't know, but maybe you have the spiritual part down and maybe the other part needs to, because we're all interconnected. But I still love that, why? Because it's the scripture and it's history and it comes from a different time. And that's why when you read the Old Testament, it's like, what on earth are these people doing and talking about? Why do they have so many different wives? Like, that's confusing. Well, guys, like we're talking about millennia ago this was written, millennia and millennia. But yet when I read it and I pick it up, it transforms my soul. And that is between you and God. As a teacher, I won't throw down the law to you. This you have to eat up on your own. This is between you and God to conduct your life in a godly manner. Why? That's for you to figure out. I just laid it out. If you really care about your life and your soul and you care about your hearers, so let's contextualize. Let's like make that to us. He's saying to your hearers, to your church, what does that mean to you in your life? At the very end of the scripture, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Know the Bible. Persevere in them because if you do, you'll say both yourself and your hearers. Who are your hearers in life? Who's listening to you? Like, do you have people's attention? I, I guarantee you don't say, oh, no, nobody, no one listens to me. I'm sure there's one person that look up to you, that are watching you. And if you're not careful, and if you're following the way of the world and what the world says to do, you're going to lead them astray. And that's a scary thing as a leader. So I have to get on my knees before God and I have to say, God, I've devoted my life to knowing this scripture. It is so complex, it is so difficult, yet at the same time, it changes my life from the inside out. So when I apply it, I know it came from you, God. It didn't come from anyone else. There are 66 different books. There are many different authors, but you, through the Holy Spirit, spoke to them and now they're speaking to me. So when I'm sitting in my backyard and I'm reading about speech, I'm like, wow, I need to figure out and be better in my speech and how I talk to people. I shouldn't be cussing. Like that's, like, that's like surface level, let's be honest. Why, why, why shouldn't you cuss? I'm not trying to press it on you, but do you have little ones around you? Do you want them to be like cussing all the time? And then go to school, and now where did you hear that? My mom and dad. That's just not healthy. That's not the life that I wanna live. I wanna live a life filled with beauty and love and grace and mercy that comes from the throne room of God. I wanna live a life that does something, not just for myself, but for other people's. That's the decision I've made and you have to make that decision. Because if you choose otherwise, you're still making a decision. So God, help me, Father, to use my language properly. God, help me to progress in effectiveness towards your gospel. God, help me become a better follower of who you are. God, help me with my relationships. God, help me in my purity, because that's difficult. God, help me in my freedom of responsibility. God, help me in the choices that I make, because they're effective over my life. God, help me, and I learn, Father. I learn when I go to your word and I sit in your presence that you tell me something and you teach me and you give grace and mercy to me and then all of a sudden I'm known by the God of the universe and that transforms my life. 
So God, call me to more, call me out. I wanna be a better father. I wanna speak better to my brothers and sisters. I wanna live in purity. I want my conduct to be healthy. God, I want my love to permeate from your love. I wanna live in action and not just, just sitting back, Father. I wanna do something in my life for you, for you, God. That's my prayer. That's my prayer to our church and our community. That's, that's, amen? Amen. Amen means I agree. I declare that. That's, that's, what, that's what I want for this community. Don't you want that for your lives? Come on. I mean, I'm, I'm so focused on the men right now. I'm just going to call you out. Men got to step up in the church. Stop laying low. Live an example of Jesus in your life. Step out in faith, walk in confidence. If you don't have a father, I'm sorry, but that's a real thing. But you can be a good father. You can be a healthy father. If you want to have a family, you can have a family. But make sure it's connected to the source of life. Because I don't know where I get my truth from if it's not from God. Where do I go? I can't listen to the governor. I can't listen to the president. I can't listen to politics. I have to have a higher moral truth. It is not anything else but Jesus and Jesus alone. And so I must live my life as a man. So man, like step up. Come on, step up. You got to step up in your life. You got to step up in your walk with Jesus. Step up with your friends. Stop saying I'm in the 20s and I'm going to live it out. No. Now, because you're not promised tomorrow. Right, Sean, we just talked about it. We're not promised tomorrow. So right now, in this moment, I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I surrender who I am to you, Jesus. I need you in my life, God. Do what only you can do in me. And that's your decision, though. I hope you're not, I'm not like laying the law on you. If you feel that, like tell me, call me out. I hope I'm not doing that. But this is real stuff. This is important stuff, but it's your choice and it's your decision. Amen? Let's worship and press into God right now. All over the room, if, if, if you just, man, if you're going through something, would you stand up with me? We're going to worship right now. We're, we're done. Can we lower the lights in the house? If you're just going through something in life, I don't know what it is. I don't know where you're at. But if you're going through something, would you just raise your hand? It's not out of shame. We're in a community. Whatever it is, I don't know what's going on in your life. If it's just, it's just stressed out, would you just raise your hand? Would you just raise your hand? If there's people around you, do you mind if, if you're comfortable just, just reaching your hand out to them and just praying for them? Just reach out your hand to them and pray. Josh, reach out your hand to people and pray. And pray God's mercy. Pray God's provision. Pray God's protection. God, I pray for Scout, Father. I pray for Josh. God, I pray for Brittany. I pray for Ben. Father, I pray for Pat. God, I pray for Marvin. God, I pray for Lorenzo. I pray, God, that you would do a work in this church. God, I pray for, for, for Kyle, Father. I pray, God, that you would do a work, Jesus. Right now, do a work. I pray for Ashley. I see you, Ashley. God, speak, Father. Move, God. Let your Holy Spirit resonate in us, Lord. Life is difficult. Life is challenging. But, God, you promised us the Holy Spirit. You promised us the comforter. So right now, God, I break depression in the name of Jesus, that you would be known by God, 
that you would find solution to your past. God, I pray for anxiety in the name of Jesus that it would be released right now by the power of God. God, I pray for stress and for worry that your yoke, God, that is, it is easy would just permeate into our souls. God, I pray against lust. I pray against perversion that we would live godly lives. God, I pray for more of you, Jesus. Come on, you got to learn just to do it yourself. Just say, God, I want more of you. I want more of you, God. I want more of you for my, for my life, God. I want more of you. Thank you for Jonathan and Stephen and Taylor and, and Cotto. Thank you for Jesse. Thank you for this church. Jesus, it's not about a performance. We're not here to perform. We're here to do work on our soul. We're here to find more of you. We're here to be known by you. God, do a work in us. Do a work in us right now, Father, right now, right now. God, I pray for everybody's future. I pray for the future that you wouldn't sit on it too long, but you would think about it, that you would pray about your future, pray about your walk with life, pray about your grandchildren, pray about your children, pray about your future spouse. I pray for the future of every person in this room, that they would take serious their future. God, that you are the author and maker of life. And Father, with you, all things are possible. God, so give us today our daily bread give us today the wisdom of tomorrow so that we can discern and make decisions and have guidance god i pray for guidance in the house of god guidance over your people guidance over decisions really hard tough difficult decisions lord i pray against family dysfunction right now in the name of god we come against dysfunction in the church we come against dysfunction in the household we ask that you would give us wisdom to work through dysfunction give us wisdom to be better in our family dynamic meet us right now god meet us right now god meet us right now meet us right now Meet us right now. Meet us right now. We don't do this enough, church. I just need you to know that we don't do this enough. We don't just sit and pray enough. We don't think enough about where we're at right now. Let, let, let you and God have a conversation. You don't have to stand. You don't have to raise your hands. It's just between you and God. You can sit down. You can process. But we're just we're going to just play worship. Let's just sing. Come on, let's sing worship. And Jesus, if you got to go, you got to go. I know we got the coin cookout, but we got time. If you're hungry, we love you. But if you want to meet God, if you want to have an experience with God, like you don't have to come to the altar. Come up if you want, but you can be right there. Do whatever you need to do. We're just going to press in with God. We love you. God, we love you, and we need more of you. We need your spirit that was promised to the church. Come on, let's sing. Let's sing it out.